feel good. Hit me. It's your old chuckle buddy. Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent May 10th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Hey, how you doing, folks? Glad to be here. Um, if you're new to the show, this is a show where I speak on myself in order to relate to yourself, you, the dear listener, dear viewer. Kindred souls, shared experiences, BFFs, best friends forever, you know, um, a mental manipulation. Um, one day you're going to have to testify in court uh, in my favor. If you don't, um, I'll, I'll throw a hissy fit and we'll never be friends again. You know, I'm here to manipulate you. Kidding. Um, if you are due to the show as well, um, one of the themes that I've spoken on is um, recovery. Uh, I am a man in recovery, three plus years of sobriety. I am an alcoholic. And if you're out there and you're suffering from the same afflictions, I highly recommend uh, 12-step recovery. That's what worked for me. And that's a theme that I'd like to carry forward in the show. Um, Podcasts. Podcasts are a great source of information and inspiration for people who are... um, Suffering from anything. There are all sorts of podcasts out there on various themes, topics, conditions. And alcoholism uh, has played a part in my life. I'm three plus years sober. And if you're out there and, like I said, feeling that mental obsession, that craving, that cunning, baffling, powerful nature of the beast, try 12-step recovery. That definitely worked for me. So, if you are new to the show, Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. 19 years of service, diploma in theater arts. Fast being to the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. Did you hear that seagull? I can do a seagull impersonation. <coughs> I sounded more like a seagull. I sounded more like a seal. Yeah, I'm going to win an Oscar someday. I'm going to play a seagull in a strange adaptation of Anton Chekhov's The Seagull. I'll actually play a seagull. And I'll sweat to fucking death, too. I just went for a run, too. Like, you know, I took a shower and everything. I'm not just, like, stinking, sweating. But, like, you know, it's been a bit of, bit of a feisty morning for me, you know? That's something that I'm looking forward to in... Um, in, in sight of this um, pandemic, you know, that's the thing I'm holding on to. I'm trying to keep my body uh, as healthy as possible, eating well, exercising, getting plenty of rest. And that's very important across career, across um, industry, you know, like whatever you're doing, maintain that health maintain that vitality and that's what I'm doing as an actor extraordinaire during pandemic going for runs push-ups sit-ups rest eating well um and something that's also on my mind during this time is um keeping an open mind (laughs) that's what's been on my mind, keeping an open mind. Because um, now that we have all this time to sit around and, you know, contemplate the great unknown, I've been thinking on my my past endeavors as an actor. And there have been opportunities that I haven't really reached out for or fully committed myself to, you know, various opportunities that I kind of shied away from. So moving forward, um, I'm definitely going to try to um, capitalize, grab, you know, chomp, pounce upon these opportunities and, you know, keep that mind open, that mind open for, um, you know, the possibilities. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire. And I am also, subsequently, 
I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Eleven years of service. Much like the acting situation, um, whew, it's a doozy, you know. Oh, it's a doozy, you know. Like uh, I don't know what to tell you. There's no real like clear clear end in sight. You know what I mean? There's no real silver lining at the moment. I mean, there's always a silver lining. Just where the hell is it? You know, it's like we're in pandemic mode. Uh, Industry is very slow moving. Live entertainment, stand-up comedy. It's one of those things that requires people to conjugate, you know, in a small space like a comedy club, you know, you know, that's where comedy works the best, you know, people kind of, you know, in close proximity, feeling the vibe, feeling the energy, low ceiling, you know, get them laughter, get that laughter bouncing off the wall, you know, so bouncing off the ceiling. So mm, there's no real, there's no real, there's uncertainty. To say the least, there's uncertainty in the stand-up comedy industry. And that's relatable across industry, you know. Uh, People, I guess, in the, let's say, you know, the bartending, the restaurant industry, retail. A lot of people are feeling that crunch. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, much like my acting, keep myself afloat by um, being proactive, Writing, you know, coming up with bits, coming up with ideas, coming up with jokes, trying to put some pen to the paper and stay accountable, you know? And that's why it's important for me to say this here because, like, I'm like any other motherfucker. I get lazy, you know? I'll go down like a Netflix fucking rabbit hole, just binge watching, 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 you know? And, uh, it's time for me to, um, you know, take all the data that I've collected uh, because there's a lot of things that this pandemic is really waking up in people. I mean, prior to this whole situation, I was struggling anyways, so to speak. You know, it's competitive industry and getting yourself out there. There's more to getting yourself out there in, I would say, any industry, there's more than, it's more than just being good at what you do. There's the salesmanship. There's the interaction with a community. There's the the profile. You have to up your profile. And that takes a lot of work and um, campaigning. And it's not always just as simple as being good at what you do. Like, what are the statistics? They say like 50% of all businesses fail their first year, something like that, right? Like, there's a lot of businesses, what come to mind is like restaurants. Think how many restaurants have folded over the years and it had nothing to do with the fact that the food was bad. You know? The food was probably pretty good, but the problem was they weren't they weren't attracting the customers they weren't getting their profile out there in a way that draws attention they weren't cultivating relationships with suppliers or you know just a list a laundry list of shit that they weren't doing more than likely or that they were having trouble doing anyways because you know it's a hustle it's a bustle it's a struggle right And um, that's more or less what I'm doing as a stand-up comedian, independent businessman, more or less, right? Trying to sell my ass out there on the fucking world stage, you know? Knock, knock, who's there? It's me, Jonathan. Fucking hire my black ass, right? And it's, it's, it's more than just the pandemic (laughs) that's been wreaking havoc in my career, if I'm going to be honest. But what I'm doing is I'm taking this situation... 
and I'm going to try to find my way forward. Because as pandemic is really waking up people to the things that are important in life, you know, I've been debating as well. And it's like all my performing, my acting, my stand-up comedy, my podcasting, I still very much want to do it. And I have to find a way to evolve. I have to find the way forward. Because, you know, it's very strange. It's very strange to sit down with yourself and be honest and think about what's going on. And being like, you know, well, okay, this is against you. This is against you. This is against you. But what are you going to do about it moving forward? You know, I'm probably just preaching to the choir. You're probably like, <laughs> you're probably watching this on a park bench right now. <laughs> just got your layoff papers, you know, drinking a fucking Colt 45 out of a bottle on a bench somewhere, you know, scratching yourself, you know, fucking bed bugs. You're homeless now. I, As you are homeless now, it's unfair for me to really lambast you and beat you over the head with my woes, my qualms and queries on my acting comedy career. But suffice to say, this whole situation is opening up our eyes to what's going on with ourselves and what's going on with the world. So I'm going to try to take that data and move forward the best I can. And, you know, as a stand-up comedian, it's inspiring, but it's also very head-shaking because it's like, it ain't nothing but work. It ain't nothing but campaigning. You know, it ain't nothing but hustling and bustling. And I do have the want, the need, the desire, the strength, the talent to do it. But I ain't going to lie, it's a bit of a bitch, you know, it's a real dog dick, pain in the ass, fucking ball busting endeavor, right? But hey, that's a relatable across industry, you know, so food for thought. So there you have it, folks, Jonathan Ramcharan, actor, stand-up comedian. So welcome to the show. Yeah. COVID-19. I alluded to that a bit in my introduction in regards to my career status. Um, it's the news story. It's all-encompassing, all-eclipsing. We can't get away from it, you know? I mean, we can. You know, you can pretend like, um, oh, this is something that you know, some people are very, some people are more than happy to live in a uh, bubble. <laughs> no pun intended during this time, if that's a pun. But people are more than willing to live in a bubble. Um, I, was, I was talking to this dude a couple days ago. You know, he was a guy roughly in my age range, you know, like mid-20s to early 30s, you know. So, you know, we, you know, this is, this is the guy that I know, I see around. And he always seemed pretty cool, and we talk, and, you know, he still is. He's a cool guy, but we were talking, and I had mentioned, you know, there are some fishy circumstances surrounding this whole uh, COVID-19 situation, you know? Hey, there's something awfully screwy going on around here. Uh, like there's something awfully squooey going on around here. Like, can't you tell that, like, it don't take a genius. Just open your fucking eyes. Like, we're in a state of pandemic. Everybody's funneled and channeled into this sense of fear. Wearing a mask. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Sanitize your hands. Wear gloves. You know, wear gloves. Masks. Social distance. Um, jobs. Essential jobs. Essential workers. Layoffs, you know, economic crises, you know, who done it, who started it, which came first, 
The Wuhan bat or the wet markets in Wuhan? Where did it come from? Was it biologically engineered? You know, is it a weapon of um, population control? What the fuck is COVID-19? Don't take a fucking genius to point it out. There's something awfully squilly going on around here. Uh, like, it's a fucking mind boggle. And I'm speaking to this dude, and he's like a young dude, a guy that, you know, for all intents and purposes, is young, kind of op- like, I don't know, seemingly with the strength and ignorance of youth. So I figured he'd be a little bit more open-minded. And as I'm talking to him, I said, you know, there's a lot of different things going on in regards to coronavirus, COVID-19. I mean, like, people are talking about, like, um, as I mentioned, population control, um, bioengineered weapon to disturb economics, you know, to disrupt, to disrupt uh, the world economy, or is it, um, you know, there's all these different theories about what it could be, and I didn't even really say anything to this guy in particular. I just said, you know, there's a lot of screwy things going on. One of the latest, um, this is an article from, uh, I believe it's CTV.ca. Yes. CTVnews.ca Professor researching COVID-19 killed in an apparent murder-suicide, officials say. A University of Pittsburgh professor on the verge of making a very significant finding uh, while researching COVID-19, according to the university, was shot and killed in an apparent murder-suicide over the weekend, police said. The research assistant professor, identified as Bing Lu, was found in his townhouse Saturday with gunshot wounds to the head, neck, torso, and extremities, according to the Ross Police Department. Investigators believed an identified investigators believe an unidentified second man, who was found dead in his car shot and killed Lou in his home before returning to his car and taking his own life. So yes, this um, University of Pittsburgh professor who was working on the COVID-19 research, um, I guess one of the many researchers, but he was working on it. All From all accounts, he was making some progress. He is shot and killed in his home. And it is revealed to be a potential murder-suicide. Some acquaintance of his is found dead in a car near his home, right? So it's like an apparent murder-suicide of this professor. So I mentioned it to that guy, this, that dude I know. And he got all like pissy about it. He's just like... Well, what does that mean? Like, that's just like, that's just like, um, that's just like propaganda or that's just like conspiracy theory. I mean, how does it help? How does it help? I'm like, how does what help? He goes, how does it help to consider all these things like murder-suicide or like conspiracy theory or bioengineered weapon or like, um, uh, you know population control like how does it help to sit around and think about these things I'm like how does the truth help you don't consider the truth as being a important piece of information he's like well I don't see how it helps I'm like look I'm not even saying that this actually happened I'm not saying it's a conspiracy theory all I'm saying is that We're in a time right now of pandemic, which is pretty much unheard of in our time. The last time being since the Spanish flu, as everybody is so willing to tell you. So as this is a very unprecedented time in our history, and we're seeing all the panic, the pandemonium, the pandemic, the fear, everybody's channeled into one lane, wearing masks, wearing gloves, scared to death. 
Doesn't it cross your mind? What does this all mean? What does it mean? You know, is it really an innocent thing where in the wet markets of Wuhan, China, there were some unsanitary conditions that caused this virus to generate, thus spawning this pandemic? Is it simply as innocent as that? Or is it a biologically engineered weapon to control population, to disrupt global economies, to funnel and corral us into a new way of life for whatever nefarious means, for whatever reasons? What does it mean? Doesn't that make you want to think? Doesn't that boggle your mind? There's something awfully screwy going on around here. Uh. And this dude I was talking to, uh, he's just like, well, you know, it's just propaganda. It's just conspiracy theory. How does it help? I couldn't believe it. It's like, you know, like I said, he was a young dude. And it's like, really? Like some people are just content to live in a bubble. Ignorance is bliss. They don't want to know. They just want to go back to their creature comforts. You know, they want to be able to shop on Amazon 24 hours a day and have it be delivered the next minute. They want to go to the grocery store and shovel fucking, you know, cookies, candies, pastries, pumpkin pie into their fucking grocery cart and wheel it through the automatic checkout and go home and just shovel shovel it back into their fucking face. Shovel it into their fucking gullet. Eat themselves into an oblivion. You know, they just want to live in their bubble. Their ignorance is bliss. Some people just don't even give a fuck. It's just like, yo, isn't it obvious? Something awfully squooey is going on around here. I don't know. Here's the latest stats. The latest count worldwide in regards to the coronavirus. This is from wikipedia.com.org. Wikipedia.org. Okay. So, worldwide, there are 4,024,737 confirmed cases. There are 1,375,854 recovered cases. And there are 279,313 deaths recorded to date, according to wikipedia.org. And, you know, I guess that's the situation. Um on a numbers level, on a media level, what they tell us, how the fuck do I know if any of that's true? But, you know, maybe I shouldn't worry about that. Maybe that's just all propaganda and um, conspiracy theory. Maybe. Here's a little funny story. This is a story hailing from Calgary, Alberta. This is a news story you can get on cbc.ca. Stormtrooper attracts wrong kind of force as Star Wars promotion takes a turn. (gasps) Passerby records video of police ordering woman in Star Wars costume to ground on May 4th. (laughs) There's a picture of this chick, you know, kind of cute. Fucking... (laughs) Spread eagle on the ground in handcuffs <laughs> in a stormtrooper outfit. <sighs> Perverted. Police officers in Lethbridge, Alberta. Oh, sorry, Lethbridge, Alberta. Police officers in Lethbridge, Alberta are being investigated after at least one pulled a gun on a woman who was dressed in a stormtrooper costume and carrying what turned out to be a fake firearm as part of a Star Wars themed business promotion. 
It started when police responded to two 911 calls reporting someone in a stormtrooper outfit was carrying a firearm along the 500 block of 13th Street North, the Lethbridge Police Service said in a release issued Tuesday. The woman in the costume was actually trying to promote a restaurant on May 4th, or May the 4th. <laughs> May the 4th. A day Star Wars fans celebrate as Star Wars Day. Star Wars Day? Star Wars Day we must celebrate, huh? It's kind of hard to do a Wookiee impersonation. Star Wars Day we must celebrate, yeah. A passerby was shooting a video of a stormtrooper in a parking lot outside the Coca Vanilla Galactic Cantina, encouraging her to march like the menacing soldiers do in the movies when police showed up. Get down on the ground, shouted one officer, while another approached the costumed woman carrying his long gun. Upon police arrival, the subject dropped the weapon but did not initially comply with further police directions to get down on the ground, police said in the release. The weapon was ultimately confirmed to be a fake firearm, and the female subject was, who indicated she was a, an employee promoting local business was not charged. The female sustained a minor injury but did not require medical attention. The man shooting the scene on video, which was later posted on YouTube, can be heard expressing his amazement that police did not realize the woman posed no threat. And as he watched the police action from the door of the restaurant, owner Brad Whalen called out, It's a plastic gun! Are you serious? He said as three officers handcuffed his employee, now laying face down on the ground. Whalen told CBC News the police appeared to continue with the takedown even after his employee had thrown the plastic gun to the ground. She was handcuffed while face down on the pavement, which left her with a bloody nose, he said. I understand with I understand with everything that happened in Nova Scotia that police worry about things like this, but it's Star Wars Day. <laughs> uh, he said in a reference to the recent tragedy when a man killed 22 people in a shooting rampage. Yeah, so he referenced the Nova Scotia massacre where 22 people were killed yeah our signs on the front of the building say star wars we're playing star wars music it's a stormtrooper with a stormtrooper blaster you know you have to have a little bit of common sense the woman wasn't charged police say yeah so yeah this woman gets slammed to the concrete because she's dressed up as a stormtrooper and she's carrying a gun and I guess she's doing a promotion for her work, a restaurant, celebrating um, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> Yo, man, like how dumb do you have to be in this day and age to carry a fake weapon publicly? I mean, welcome to my world as a black man. It's like, why would you do anything to draw negative attention to yourself you're carrying a fake weapon and as as the store owner said in that as the restaurant owner said in that news article you know oh well it's uh it's star wars day and i understand that because of the massacre the massacre that just happened in nova scotia you know blah 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 that's like no you don't understand then because if you did understand you would understand that hey Police officers, like them or love them or hate them, they got a job where it's like they're dealing with crazy people in public. And somebody carrying a, an assault rifle style weapon, would you bet your life on that? If you were a police officer, would you be like, oh, okay, well, obviously it's Star Wars Day. Mmm, Star Wars Day, I see. Mmm. Like, would you just blanketly, blindly accept that? Or would you be like, Hey, wait a minute. I don't know what this fucking mental patient's doing. And how dumb do you have to be to carry a gun? Like, to carry a, a toy weapon in public. You got to be a complete idiot in this day and age. To walk around with a fucking... To walk, to, to walk around with a assault rifle replica? 
You got to be you got to be a complete moron. I would never do that. Not even on Halloween. It's stupid. You're asking for trouble. So. But anyway, funny little story. So, on this episode, as we've been in quarantine, um, you know, everything's coronavirus this, coronavirus that. So what I've been doing lately on the podcast is I've been trying to find, um, well, what I have found is um, my love of reading. I've returned to my love of reading. And um, I've been reading this book recently called Philosophy, The Basics by Nigel Warburton. I have a copy of it right here. Philosophy, The Basics by Nigel Warburton. Yes. You can get this book on Amazon for like uh, under $30. I think I paid like $22 for it. And it's a very concise introduction to philosophy. A couple episodes ago, I discussed uh, chapter one, Does God Exist? And um, now we're on to chapter two. Right or wrong? What makes something right? What makes something wrong? A very deep ethical question. Was it right or wrong for the cops to slam that idiot to the concrete because she had a firearm in her, uh, a fake firearm in her hand? Were they to just assume or like, what was the right or wrong course of action? How do we judge what is right and wrong? You know, during this time of pandemic, we have a lot of politicians, people, celebrity, speaking up, spouting off about their opinions on the whole situation. Well, what is right and what is wrong? What do we listen to? Right? Now, one thing that kind of strikes me as a little um, difficult about this chapter, right or wrong, and by the way, um, this book again, uh, Philosophy, The Basics by Nigel Warburton. I'll post a link. So if you're interested in further information on the book, you can get it. I'll post some information on the book. But again, what strikes me about this chapter, right or wrong, is that, you know, you can't, bla- you can't blanketly say what is right or what is wrong. It's a hard thing to, um, to know, right? It really comes down to individual reasoning, you know? It's, it's a decision ultimately that a person has to make and they have to live with their consequences. So this chapter has a lot of theory and insight, but... It's, it's a little hard to gain any real, any real uh, tangible, useful information. It's kind of theory. It adds some insight, some credence. But, you know, that is what is so um, intriguing and mystifying about that question. Right and wrong. What is right and what is wrong? The scales of justice, you know? All right. So to begin with, there are some theories, right? There are three basic theories, according to the book. And, you know, there are many other theories on right or wrong, many other ethical theories. But the three basics that a lot of philosophy um, deals with are, um, you know, duty-based theory, consequential theory, and virtue theory. So to begin with, duty-based theory. Duty-based theories are theories, um, the theory that each of us has a certain uh, set of duties. Certain duties could be duty, could be duty. (laughs) Duty, (laughs) duty. Each of us has certain duties that um, we ought or ought not to perform, and that by acting morally amounts to doing our duty no matter the consequences, no matter the consequences. So we all have duties that we ought to do and no matter what the consequences are. And um, 
they further break down the sense of duty-based theory into two categories, Christian ethics and Kantian ethics. So Christian ethics are basically Christ teachings. Christ teachings, or even, uh, you could call it biblical teachings, because they also mention like the Old Testament, like, you know, the Ten Commandments. So it could be um, Christ-like teachings, biblical teachings, you know. That's one subgenre of duty-based theory, right? And that's basically like, you know, follow the teachings of Christ, follow the teachings of the Bible, you know. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit murder, you know. Do unto others as you will have done unto you, you know, the golden rule, as Jesus has taught us. So those are very good, um, you know, those are very kind of straightforward. They make sense and, um, you know, fairly easy to, not I wouldn't say easy to, but, you know, do unto others as you will have done unto yourself. Makes a lot of sense, right? Well, there is some criticism. Now, number one, um, what is God's will, you know? If we are to um, if we are to follow Christ's teachings, or if we are to follow um, the Ten Commandments, like, well, what is what is really God's will? It's not exactly easy to define, right? Like, first of all, you have to assume that God even exists, right? So. It is kind of a hazy thing. There's so many interpretations of the Bible. So what really is God's will? You start reading the Bible, it's a topsy-turvy kind of, you know, very well, beautifully written, but also very confusing type of uh, book, the Bible, right? Then there also comes the question of, um, the questions like, Is God's will moral? Or does God willing it make it moral? Right? Is something moral in itself? Or does God's willing it make it moral? You know? Because, you know, if we are to do God's will because it's moral, it almost separates the whole purpose or importance of God. Right? It's like, okay, thou shall not commit adultery. Are you fucking your fucking best friend's wife? Thou shalt not fuck your best friend's wife. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Or um, thou shalt not murder. Right? Well, if that is um, if that is a moral thing to do just because it is moral, then what does it matter if God says it? You know, it's like if I tell you not to kill somebody and you believe that, does it matter that I told you that? Or does it matter that you believe the moral value of the statement, thou shall not kill? Or is it thou shall not kill because Jonathan said so? Or God said so? You know? So, there's that question. Is Is a duty, (laughs) duty, is a duty moral in itself or moral because God willed it, right? Interesting stuff. Then you get to Kantian ethics, Kantian ethics, which is the second subheading of duty-based theory, right? Kantian ethics. Now, Kantian ethics is... um, he, the Immanuel Kant, K-A-N-T, Immanuel Kant, the philosopher, he believed uh, moral actions are performed out of a sense of moral duty rather than feelings or from a possibility of gaining something, right? So these duties are performed out of a moral sense of duty regardless of feeling and regardless of attaining something from these actions, And Kant described the intentions behind any act as the maxim, right? So your intentions behind your actions 
are the maxim, according to Kant. We should then only act on maxims that rationally everybody would want. This is known as the principle of universal eyesability. So Kant believe in, believed in this term, universalizability, meaning we should only act on maxims, we should only act on the intentions, the maxims, that rationally everybody would want, right? And he called that universalizability. He also believed that we should treat other people as ends in themselves and never as a means to an end, right? It's pretty important, you know? We should treat people as an end in themselves rather than a means to an end. Like, you know, if you're one of those people who is like a sycophant, you know, you're a suck-up, you suck up to somebody because like, oh, you think they might be able to get you a job or introduce you to people that you'd like to meet. If you're that type of person or if you're doing that type of behavior, according to Kant, Immanuel Kant, uh, you know, that's wrong. You know, we should treat people as an end in themselves rather than a means to an end. You should socialize with a person because you enjoy socializing with that person, not because of what you may be able to gain from them, right? So that's, that's, that, that, uh, I believe that's a, that's, it's not always easy, you know what I mean? Because, you know, that's the nature of the world, the nature of business, you know, people are looking to network, people are cynical, motivated by self-interest. But it, it, is a, it is a nice concept, you know, something that I would strive for, definitely. But there are some criticisms to Kant's beliefs, right? Um, first of all, some of the criticism is it's empty. It's kind of empty in a sense, right? Because as I spoke on in the beginning of this uh, introduction to right and wrong these are just like theoretical theories <laughs> theoretical theories ideas they don't really they don't really add much comfort to somebody with a real problem right like you know i'm in this situation where you know my girlfriend's been fucking my best friend and I'm thinking about murdering him but you know I'm worried about if that's treating him as you know a means to an end rather than an end in itself and you know oh my god I you know I want to you know get a better job so um what should I do should I go to this networking event and have wine and sip cocktails with all these bozos like should I be a swarmy industry prick like it begs a lot of questions, but it don't really give no solutions. It's kind of empty, basically. It's like, it's like theoretical jargon. You know, it is, it is and it isn't, you know? Like, I see the value in some of these sayings, some of these teachings, right? Like, um, we all have duties that we ought to adhere to, you know? Universal, universal eyes ability, like... Yo, like we can all pretty much agree that there are certain things universally that we shouldn't do. Murder, rape, you know, things of that nature. Treat people as an end in themselves rather than a means to an end. But yeah, that's some of the criticism of the Kantian, Kantian theory is like, it's kind of empty. Also, you know, it's easy to like universalize theories that are kind of outlandish you know it wouldn't be that far-fetched that one of the examples they give in the book is like what if we just universalized uh you know a saying always kill people who get in your way we live in a cynical world where people are motivated by self-interest capitalism you know economy is it that far-fetched in this competitive world that we, we might not collectively 
just agree to something as insane as that? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much a universal norm. Kill anybody who gets in your way. Right? It really lends, it really lends itself to um, some of that Kantian theory. It really lends itself to like, you know, you know, adopting outlandish, crazy ideas to suit your own benefit, you know, people with, you know, ill intent. And also it, 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 it lends, it lends itself to just plain absurdity, like just this, this blanketed sense of duty, regardless of the consequence, right? Like, one of the one of the examples they use in the book is like an a, a, a crazy man, a crazed man carrying a bloody axe walks up to you and goes, "Hi, uh, where's your best friend? I'm looking for them. Where's your best friend? I'm looking for him." Now, according according to the Kantian, the Kantian uh, theory of you know duty based duties regardless of consequence, one of our duties in life is to tell the truth. So we should be truthful, right? Oh, you want to find out where my friend is? Crazy axe murderer? Yeah, he's over there. He's in that closet over there, hiding. Regardless of the consequences, we're always to tell the truth. You know? Obviously, there's times in life where a little white lie, a little shifting of the truth is beneficial right? So there's also that criticism in the Kantian uh, ethics debate. Yes. So to recap on that, um, you know, duty-based theory. Theory that we all have or we all ought to perform certain duties regardless of the consequences, you know? Subgenres to that theory being, you know, Christian ethics, ethics according to the Bible, to Jesus' teaching. Then we have the subgenre Kantian ethics, Kantian ethics, which is moral duty-based theory, um, regardless of the consequence, treating people as an end in themselves rather than a means to an end. Yeah. So, you know, it gives information but it's not always easy to divulge an answer right interesting stuff then we go on to the second theory in the battle of right and wrong the second theory consequentialist theory ethical theories which judge whether or not an action is right or wrong not on the intentions of the person performing the action but on the consequences of the action. So that's a big, that's a big uh, change from duty-based theories. Duty-based theories are theories that we ought to do regardless of the consequences. Consequentialist theory is more um, interested in the consequences of the actions regardless of intent, right? And some subgenres in the consequentialist theory, utilitarianism. Now, utilitarianism is uh, defined as good. They define good as whatever brings about the greatest total happiness. And this deals with probable consequences because it's extremely difficult to know, uh, if not impossible, to know the results of an event. Results. Of, uh, to know these results, right? Like, utilitarian theory goes on what is the most, what is the best possible amount of good that can be acquired. And it can't be worried about the possible outcome because, uh, ah, fuck, you know, I ain't no fucking philosopher, right? I'm just a fucking douchebag dildo dick comic all right give me a give me, give me a second here oh, i think i just caught coronavirus <clears throat> you know that's how you know you get coronavirus 
if you ever feel like in a jam during this pandemic, you know, you're, you're talking about shit that you don't really know about or you fuck up, a real way to get like to really shift the blame from my stupidity to your fear is just to say you have coronavirus. Like, you know, you're teaching an online tutorial like I'm doing right now and you start, you know, kind of, you know, bombing. You could just be like, oh, wait a minute. I think I have coronavirus. Everybody everybody will like recoil with horror and like, you know, flee. They'll totally forget how stupid you are. You know, they'll be, they'll be too preoccupied with their safety. I'm going to catch coronavirus through the internet. Some people believe that is a theory. Did you hear about that? 5G networks cause a coronavirus? Anyway. So consequentialist theory, um, ethical theories which judge whether or not an action is right or wrong, not on the intentions of the person performing the action, but on the consequences of the action. So it's all about the consequences. Utilitarianism, which is a sub-genre, subheading of consequentialist theory, defines Good as whatever brings about the greatest total happiness. This deals with probable consequences because it's extremely difficult, if not impossible, to know the results, right? And, you know, this is all about probability. We can't really know the total happiness, right? Just the probability. An advantage of this theory is that it also includes animals into the realm of moral concern. So yes, that's a great benefit to this one because if you're a person like me, I'm a pescatarian, I care about my little critters, you know, my little squirrels, my little ducks, you know, care about my doggies, you know, my cats, my kitties, I care about my animals, man. So that's one of the benefits of utilitarianism. It also includes animals into the realm of moral concern. So some of the criticisms being um, difficulties of calculation, like as I kind of bumbled through there, it's difficult to calculate like what, you know, you do something in order to amount to the greatest good. But how do you really calculate that? How do you really know? Right. So it's, it's really hard to do that calculation. And it can also justify many actions usually thought to be immoral, right? Like, for example, if if we're trying to do actions based on the consequence that brings forth the greater good, well, what if we say hanging innocent people as a deterrent to crime, right? Like, if we hang innocent people and we make that the action of the day, the moral duty of the day to hang innocent people to to promote um, a deterrent to crime, yeah, we might see a, a decline in crime if we hang innocent people as a deterrent to crime. We might see a deterrent in crime, but then again, we're we're hanging innocent people. Right? So sometimes the consequences, while it may produce the greater good, it is also, it's like the ends justify the means, to go back to Kant, right? It's like, okay, well, you're not accounting for the craziness of, you know, you're hanging people. You're doing something obviously wrong, which may produce the better good, but it's still crazy. Right? The ends justifying the means. And it also asks the question, like, if happiness is just a blissful state of mind, why not use mood-altering drugs consistently? Right? Of, you know, why not, like, secretly put, you know, um, MDMA, ecstasy in the water supply? You know, if, if, if it's for the greater good. You know, if, if, if a state of mental bliss regardless of the consequences, or if the consequence is we want to feel happy and good, well, why not just manipulate it? It might produce the greater good. Why not, like, put, you know, ecstasy in the water supply? That's one of the examples they use. Why not just put ecstasy in the water supply? People will be in a euphoric state of mind consistently, right? Highs, tits. So, you know... 
If happiness is just a blissful state of mind, why not use mood-altering drugs consistently or secretly to increase the total pleasure? Right? Yeah. Could make sense. And happiness seems to have a sense of personal integrity attached to it. That's another criticism. So it's like, you know, just because something affects the greater good, the total good, um, how you get to that conclusion seems to matter for the human being, right? Like in regards to that example there with the uh, putting ecstasy MDMA in the water supply, it's like, okay, well, sure, we're putting ecstasy in the more in the water supply and everybody's in this fucking tweaked out fucking dubstep. You know, sandstorm fucking dubstep state of blissful fucking blackout. But the things in life that give lasting pleasure usually derive from a sense of self, a sense of struggle, the personal integrity, the personal accomplishment we feel when we achieve our goals so to just be in a euphoric blissful state of mind consistently is that really attaining a greater good people don't generally there's a sense of personal integrity that generally the human being has to feel in order to really get that sense of happiness that's what we've noticed cross-culturally across time. Personal integrity means a lot in the human person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's some other blah, blah, yada, 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 yada in regards to, um, you know, utilitarianism. There's also the negative utilitarianism. The best action isn't the one that produces the greatest balance of happiness to unhappiness for the greatest amount of people, but the one that produces the greatest overall happiness, right? So it's not about, you know, the greatest, the actual supreme greatest. It's about, wait a minute. The best action isn't the one that produces the greatest balance. Oh yeah, the greatest balance of happiness to unhappiness for the greatest amount of people, but the one that produces the greatest overall happiness. So it's not about the balance, it's about the overall happiness in regards to negative utilitarianism, right? Like, for example, um, the example they use is, um, you know, you have $1,000. You could spread $1,000 evenly over five people who are relatively well off, right? You give everybody $200, right? That makes sense? Yeah. You give everybody $200. Out of those five people, you spread out the $1,000. You get 200, 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 right? That's good, right? But what if you have a person who is completely destitute and the $1,000 would benefit them significantly more than the five people getting $200. Well, if you're a negative utilitarianism, you would go with that because it's the overall sense of good versus the balance, right? Then you got rule utilitarianism. Rather than assessing the consequences of each action separately, adopt general rules about the kinds of action which tend to produce the greater happiness for the greatest amount of people. Example, generally it produces more happiness not to punish innocent. Uh, so like, yeah, example, generally it produces more happiness not to punish the innocent, even though it could act as a deterrent to crime. So generally never punish the innocent. Though as a utilitarian, one would assume case by case basis rather than a complete blanketed sticking to the rules. Right. Rule utarianism. And finally, regards to the um, ver- or in regards to the uh, right or wrong theories, we have virtue theory. And the virtue theory is the central question for the virtue theorist is, how should I live? 
The answer to that is to cultivate the virtues. Only by cultivating the virtues can one flourish as a human being. Virtue is a pattern of behavior and feeling, a tendency to act and desire to feel in a particular way in an appropriate situation. Virtue involves intelligent judgment, but the appropriate response to a situation. So the criticism to that is like, okay, if we are to act in a virtuous way, if that is the goal, is that if that is what is right or wrong, is to act in a virtuous way, well, what are the virtues, right? What virtue should we adopt? And it also, the virtue theorists may redefine their prejudices to, pref- to, to their preferred way of life, right? So, you know, some slutty person might go, oh, well, it is um, a virtue to, you know, seek sexual freedom and expression. It's a virtue to fuck everybody on the planet, right? Or someone who's fat might declare that, oh, you know, stomach obeying. To obey your stomach is a virtue. So, like, you know... People with prejudices and preferred ways of life can really skew the idea of what a virtue is, right? And it also assumes that there is a general human nature with general appropriate patterns of behavior for all humans. This also overlooks the importance of circumstance in decision-making. Yeah, you know, this whole virtue theory, it also overlooks the importance of circumstance in decision-making. You know, there's a lot of circumstances where virtues don't always fit in, so to speak, right? Everything can be most, you know, most things are, you know, life is a lot of gray. There's a lot of gray in life, overlap, right? So there you have it, folks. Um, Right and wrong theory, you know, the three main theories being, you know, duty theory, consequentialist theory, and virtue theory. Basically put... Duty theory are moral theories that we ought or ought not to do regardless of the consequences. Consequentialist theory, it's more interested in the consequences of an action versus the intent. And number three, the virtue theory, we should act in a virtuous manner. Those are the three basic theories. I have to admit, I didn't really like that chapter so much. It's, it's very hazy, you know? I've tried several times to break it down and speak on it, but it's, it's, there's something kind of hazy about it. It all goes back to the definition of the Kantian ethics, where it's like, it's kind of empty, you know? Having read this, it didn't really spark my mind the way that the chapter on Does God Exist? The chapter on Does God Exist, there's all these theories and counter theories and it really kind of blew my mind to the possibility of the question, Does God Exist? This one was kind of like conjecture, mamby-pamby, back and forth, like ultimately right and wrong is sort of like a decision you have to make for yourself, you know? And you have to deal with the consequences yourself. It's like a, it's not so much a hypothetical in a sense, you know what I mean? Whereas right and wrong, it's kind of like a blee blah 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 do, you know? Do if do damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like I don't know, something about this chapter just didn't it wasn't obvious to me. I'm gonna have to go back and think about this in previous times. Or I'm gonna have to go back and think about that question later on. Because it it, it didn't leap out to me as obvious, you know? I had fun kind of talking about it and discussing it with y'all, but to be honest, it didn't really leap out to me as obvious, you know? It was all kind of blah, 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 but it was informative, and um, for me at least, (laughs) it was informative and, um, you know, something to be thought about, you know? all in a day's work. And as for me, moving forward in quarantine, again, happy, healthy, hallelujah, working out, this, that, and the other, all in a day's work. Baby, baby. Thank you for viewing. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran, reporting live for duty on this magnificent May 10th in the year of our Lord, 
2020. Yeah. Um, right and wrong. It's a clusterfuck. What do you think? Hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Are you leaning more towards um, duty theory, consequentialist theory, virtue theory? Fuck all these theories. Fuck it all, man. You know? Just a ballad of a dead soldier. Like, do whatever the fuck you want, I guess. I don't know. Tell me about it. Hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. I'm available on many platforms. iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. You can hit me up on my channel. My website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. All right? If you're enjoying the show, please tell a friend. Help my black ass out. Please. I beg of you. All right. Till next time, folks. You live it. You love it. You realize it. All right? Peace.